A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by a lady from Australia as we embark upon our, let me use this term loosely, final journey and this mini-series of five episodes. And we've been talking about the one thing. So what we thought, uh, Lisa and I, what we thought would be appropriate here would be to uh, say, well, actually, maybe there's more than one thing which quite nicely resonates with one of the parts in her book. I'm going to let uh, Lisa tell you more about the book as we unfold in this, uh, this final episode. And uh, the book, The Emotionally Powerful Mother. Lisa, I'm waffling again. I don't know why I'm waffling, listeners, but I'm waffling. A very warm Maybe it's waffle, waffle Day today. Yeah, national, International Waffle Day, listeners. Waffle Day. <laughs> Anyway, Lisa, a very warm welcome to you. I got there in the end. Thanks, Paul. It's lovely to be here again. So, as we've already alluded to, or as I've already alluded to, the one thing, but we've spoke about many things, Lisa. We haven't spoken around one thing other than the consistency being the emotionally powerful mother, you, you know, the title of your book. Mm. Well, let's go on this voyage yeah. of discovery, Lisa. Lead us to where you lead us. Well, I think if we want to, want to just focus on the one thing, some of the things that we've shared over the last couple of weeks is how when we become more emotionally aware and we're more in tune with our emotions, we can see that perhaps the one thing that lies at the source of, of all of our problems is the fact that we have separated from our true most empowered state. We've walked away from us in order to find love, to feel secure, to please others, out of obligation, all the things that we're taught to do to feel okay about ourselves. And so for me, what I've discovered is rather than trying to fix all those things that are happening on the outside, all those problems, all the things I don't like, all of the things that are causing me powerlessness, if I can actually turn around and go, all of this is because I've walked away from my true power, my true source of power, my true self. And that is the one thing that creates so much suffering and pain and discomfort because it does create these emotional gaps, if you like, in our life that we're trying to fill the emotional gap of not being loved, of not feeling secure, of not feeling safe, that emotional gap when we move away from our whole self, ends up really influencing so many of our relationships. And actually, I'll, I'll share a story with you that I didn't share the other day. I realised at one point when I went into the relationship with my first partner that it actually wasn't me walking into the relationship. It was the little girl in me that wanted to be loved and feel secure. So it was a completely unconscious act on my behalf the little girl was just wanting to be loved and feel secure and she was the one that went into a relationship with my first partner 
And in fact, she was even the one that went into a relationship with my second partner because there were so many red flags, which she just kept her hands over my eyes so I couldn't see because that inner little girl in me, that part of me that wanted to be, feel safe and loved, that was driving me not to see the red flags that probably the adult me could have paid a little bit more attention to. Do you know what I'm talking about, Paul? Have you had that situation? Mm, yeah, absolutely. The inner child, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that, that I think, for me, understanding that, that me walking away from me in order to get that need met, that emotional need met, is the one thing at the source of all my suffering. And so today I think we were going to sort of bring this a little bit full circle and talk about words and tools that may help us come back around because we have to be able to work with our emotions when they arrive, like these reactions that we have, when we're seeing that we're going to external sources to fix that gap, we have to be able to understand that it's because of we've walked away from ourselves. So then how do we deal with that emotion? so that we can step back into ourselves so that we can feel whole again and feel our true power so we no longer have to be running those dynamics. Mm. And we did talk a little bit about that yesterday when we talked about, not yesterday, last episode, when we talked about the keys. Um, so I think it's this emotion education which also requires us to be able to communicate. And I know you're quite a communicator and I'm sure that you will... Um, it, you will agree with me that the way I'm able to express my needs and my wants to somebody else without any undercurrents of blame or persecution is much more effective in getting my needs met and actually creating a deeper connection. Yeah, because you come from that inner place, don't you? Rather than, as you say, looking for that external validation, approval, you know, it complicates things, doesn't it? inverted commas, when you start layering in external factors, you know, rather than Absolutely. keeping it simple. But, you know, keeping it simple, listeners, is easy to say. If we haven't got that awareness, how do we know? We don't know what we don't know at the risk of overusing a cliche. But I want to focus in on, on these. I want to start this kind of, this um, this journey on this one, this finale of this uh, miniseries around two words that you've alluded to there, the inner child, because, you know, maybe through lack of awareness, I'm sure it is, do we as human beings generally understand the power and the significance of nurturing that inner child? No matter how much work, inner work we've done, and I can only take responsibility for my myself in this statement, that that's a constant thing, just as you'd love your daughter, moment to moment to moment to moment, do you feel that the same principle applies, Lisa, with our own inner child? No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I have had the greatest success in feeling ease and joy in my life when I'm paying attention to how I feel and when I see that it's that part of me that's looking for um, somebody to make me feel loved and make me feel secure, I go, oh, that's my inner child wanting to meet that need of a child. And I, I'm in this 
connection with her, this relationship with my inner child now where I will invite that part of me to actually turn around and come and see me now and, and I will feel love for her. I will be embracing her in my imagination, in my being, and I'm often doing that. So it's almost like while I'm interacting in my life, I've also sort of got my a little bit of my attention focused inwardly so that when I'm feeling those feelings and I notice that she's having a reaction, not feeling loved or being rejected, and I'm onto it straight away, I'm there giving myself what I'm looking for from other people. Because if I can get in first and give myself what I'm looking for, then I'm less likely to be trying to create it in extern- externally, which generally doesn't end up well. And I never really get my needs met the way I want to, because it's from outside of me. So where do we go from here then, Lisa? You know, words and tools, where do we go from here? Before we, yes. before we go down that particular, I just want to share something by, I don't know if a tool or technique, how, how you'd label this, but one of the exercises that, um, that I've done regularly with myself and certainly advise um, or guide people to do, you know, when you're feeling at your really lowest ebb, and then certainly maybe in that, you know, those more earlier phases of that journey of self-discovery, I actually encourage people to look in the mirror, to what I call snog the mirror. I dare you to snog the mirror. And particularly with the more masculine energies, you can probably imagine the reaction. <laughs> but the science behind that is actually it's challenging the ego because the ego is going to defend. I ain't doing that. You lost the plot. That's stupid. In fact, I feel so angry and so frustrated. Why would I even want it? That's ridiculous. I ain't snogging the mirror. Go on, I dare you. And it's that kind of getting behind, using masculine language now, but getting behind enemy lines called the ego when it's defending it. No, I ain't doing that. Well, one thing you don't want to do it's probably the thing that you must do most. Absolutely. That's true. I, I often have that mantra too. I agree. But it's interesting that you say that because a couple of the ladies I was working with the other night in a class actually said the same thing. One of them said that she'd read a book where um, it was really beneficial to go up to the mirror and actually just love herself, just look at herself mm-hmm. and love herself. And another lady said, oh, I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. There would just be no way. Mm-hmm. And the first lady said, I thought that too, and I found it really difficult at first. It was very confronting, but she said, I cannot believe the difference in the way I felt just by consciously doing that activity. Yeah. And I know for me, like, the more I embrace my emotional world, the more I know myself and the more the love for myself has grown. And it's not, it's not egotistical love. It's just this incredible appreciation and this depth of gratitude and and love for myself and the being that I am not necessarily Lisa Jane as a body although you know you do have this appreciation for all of you but but my essence my my being to be able to feel such love for yourself it's almost like when you feel that and you actively love the essence of who you are it amplifies and you can, can feel 
your whole body responds. It's like all of you goes, oh, it's a really wonderful feeling. Mm. And I suppose in terms of, you know, tools, tools and techniques as well, Lisa, one of the things that, uh, that I recall fondly, fondly because it serves, it serves me to, to do so. But the, the words of my late mother when I was younger, and uh, just let's say I was a very uh, colourful child and I would push things beyond boundaries and I would always get in trouble, <laughs> both with my mother and my grandmother and, you know, external parties. But one of the things she used to say to me was, but you're such a lovable character. You're such a lovable rogue, even in her anger. And I find mm. that quite you know um what's the word not self-serving because that i suppose takes it into the realms of as you say eager being egotistical but that yeah okay that's kind of that self-acceptance is it of our vulnerabilities and maybe you know if the outside world does judge us which it will trait of human nature fact um that's okay because it doesn't really matter but that actual you know, and I know technically speaking, Lisa, that was validation from a you know an outside mm. party. So in the pure science of it, it's like, well, you know, do you really need that? But I think there's that whole balance to be had, isn't there, between what actually really makes me feel good. And those just those words from childhood around, yeah, but you're a you're a lovable rogue, you know, even in her anger. I don't know, maybe maybe it's me being a little bit too subjective. I don't know. Well, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's, you know, like we're human, Paul. So mm. we do, because we're human, of course we want to be validated and of course we want to be accepted. That's really actually healthy for us to do that. It's only when we abandon ourselves to get those feelings. When I have to walk away from me and not be true to myself in order to get someone to love me or to get someone to accept me, that's when it's not healthy. So it's really normal for people to want to be accepted. That's, of course, you know, that's a, it's a good feeling for all of us. But it's up to us to be very conscious. What is my motive? You know, am I doing this because I feel insecure and unlovable, so I'm trying to get them to fill my emotional need? Or am I doing it? Am I just enjoying it because I'm a human being and it's nice to have that appreciation? So I think this is for me, you know, I learned a lot by investigating my motives because, and, and, I, and it scared me as well, because sometimes I would see things in myself that I'm like, I was like doing these nice things. And when I started to question myself, I went, oh, actually, I'm doing this so that I can be accepted by this group, you know, and I really started to question my motives. And it never ended up well, because I would often be abandoning myself to keep this group happy and do certain things. And so I would get resentful. And then so the cycle started. So for me, really investigating my motives meant that I said no to a lot more things, but it also meant that what I was doing, what I was actually choosing to do, I was really present when I did it. All of me was there in that moment and I really wanted to be there. And that brings a certain quality of engagement when you engage in your life experiences like that. Mm. Yes, tools and techniques, Lisa. I mean, this, and then, the, you know, and the words, but I mean, the words, but whenever I see the word word, my heart lights up because I've come to know 
the power of words. And, and isn't it true that generally as humans, we kind of, and I'll give one example, the word quality. And this has got a very pertinent to real factor for me, because when I did my master's, I did it in quality management. And so I really got to study to the a very deep degree, no pun intended, um, what the word quality actually meant. And it fascinated mm. me. And isn't it true that as humans, we, in whatever capacity, it's one of those words that we may bandy around. Oh, do you know what, Lisa, I bought this pen, it's real quality. Or, do you know, you want to dine at so-and-so restaurant, it's top quality. And it's like, well, what do you mean by that then, Paul? Mm. Well, you know, it's top quality. No, but what do you mean by quality? Oh, you know, well, no, I don't. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> it's one of those words, isn't it? That you know, yeah, throw it around it. like confetti yeah. without really kind of giving it meaning. So I've come yeah. to understand personally the power of words, the energy that they have. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to talk more on that um, because I think that, we, and, and I shouldn't use the royal we, but I've noticed that I've had to change the way that I communicate because what I realised before was that most of my dialogue involved the victim, persecutor, rescuer dynamic. So it might have been blaming or I might have had undercurrents. Even though I would say things that sounded okay, there was actually a part of me that was really holding my partner, for example, responsible for how I felt. So there were always these undercurrents of I want you to fix this for me or you should be fixing this for me because this is your fault that this is not good enough. So my words I might have been paying attention to, but the, the dynamic, the energy that I was in made it really impossible for me to communicate because true communication doesn't happen unless you're feeling connected and you're out of that dynamic when you're in victim persecutor rescuer the nature of that dynamic disconnects you from yourself and therefore from the other person so true communication happens when we can actually own our emotional world and be present because in that moment when I'm sharing with you and when you're sharing with me I'm not coming from a reactive space there is no undercurrents of blame and I'm I'm owning my emotion. And I think this is really critical because to fully own our emotion is sometimes a little bit hard because I, you know, I used to find there was a little part of me that was still like, well, I don't want to own this because if I do, nobody's going to come and rescue me. They'll think that I'm okay and I'm going to have to do it all myself. And that was just my mind telling me this story. And I had to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I know this is not going to work and I'm just going to let it go. And I would let go of that and go, okay, this is my emotion. The event may not have been my fault, but this is about the way I'm responding to that. And I learned a few things. I learned that I couldn't actually communicate with presence and owning my emotion unless I'd done something about the emotional charge I felt. So if someone did something to hurt me or that was really unjust, I learned that I really needed to diffuse the charge, the emotional charge, before coming and talking to them about it. So I would go away and I might, um, I might just say, to them, look, I just need a little bit of time, whatever I did, but I might write. I might ring up a friend and talk to a friend. And not so that they could go, oh, you poor thing, that's terrible, because you don't want that. You want someone to hold the space for you so that you can share and, and talk about how you're feeling just so you can move through some of the charge. Um, going for a run, going for a walk, 
writing. Um, there's so many things that we can do that just reduce and diffuse that emotional charge. And then when I allow that charge, validating is a really good one, right? Why wouldn't I feel like this? Of course I'm going to feel like this. So you're validating yourself the whole time and acknowledging that you've got a feeling around this. All of those things diffuse the emotional charge. And then I'm ready to actually have a look at why I'm feeling what I'm feeling and, and try to talk to somebody about it. And, and I had to learn new words. So I might say things like, when that happened, it landed on me as a feeling. And I, I really want to try and share this feeling with you because I don't want it to get into in the way of how much I love you. I don't want to start to feel resentful towards you because I know that that's going to get in the way and I really love you. I don't want to feel resentful. So I really want to try and describe the feeling that I'm having. So I'm using terms all the time that um, really, really um, give the other person the feeling that I'm owning my emotions and they can hear it more easily. And sometimes you, you both have to learn. Sometimes you both have to learn how to speak to each other in a way that's validating because we generally aren't taught how to do that. And it is challenging when someone has a feeling around something you've done not to get defensive, you know, mm. and that's why we really do need to step into our power so that we can sit there and hear them without reacting and without getting defensive and just knowing that that's their experience. It may or may not be true, but that doesn't matter. What is the most important thing in this moment is the connection and the understanding that you're both experiencing with each other. Mm. You have a, um, I use this term loosely, a hit list of words that are no-no words, you know, words to be wary of. And I think just by bringing that into consciousness, we've got to be careful uh, note to self, Paul, about creating this, you know, this list of no-no words, this hit list, call it what you will. Well, hang on, you're already kind of creating a negative mm. connotation around something mm. that, you know, these warning words. Um, words like perfect, I'm very wary of the word perfect mm. or perfection. And worry. worry. So worry to me just goes nowhere this is like a, an endless cycle and yet so many people use the word worry concern is so much more effective because concern implies that there's something that you need to look at but that there is a solution mm. triggering and activated we spoke about that the other day it's like um i use the term term activated I've, I've been activated because triggered to me is like well that's a gun you know and when you're triggered it's like the death of like it's just it feels so bad it's like I don't want to look at my emotions if I'm triggered but if I'm activated I'm activating a part of myself so that I can see where I need to take back my power that's a really positive thing like it feels much better mm. what about the should word Lisa yeah should should's another thing isn't it you know you should do this and even you like saying you are or you have or, you know, blaming. But I really think I really think that keeping the awareness on the intention of trying to create connection and trying to understand, like it's where I am energetically that helps me use the right words. So unless I've actually really dealt with the emotional charge and unless I, I really hold as something that is important like if I decide that the love I feel for the other person is the most important thing, I'm going to make a really big effort 
to focus on the connection and to focus on the unity that I feel with that person, which is really going to sort of manifest as the words and the softness and the gentleness that I speak what I'm feeling with. The, um, and I think we have to be careful, don't we, not to get caught in this trap of, you know, this is a note to self, something I'm very aware of, listeners within my own world, that yes, I have a great awareness of words and the power and the energy. But, you know, Lisa raises a valid point as human beings, we communicate. You know, I don't want, you know, when I'm talking to Lisa now, I don't want to be in this, oh, did I say the right thing mode? You know, this almost flirting with fear mm. around this, oh, should have, would have, could have done this, should have, and all that. It's like, do you know what, Lisa, I've just, word, I've just used the word, I don't know. Lisa, I'm really worried. Oh, Paul, yeah. shouldn't have used that word. Oh, it, you know, I mean, because you can get trapped in that whole kind of, and as you say, it's that intention underneath. doesn't matter. You know, this is a dance between two yeah. people. That's and right. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it's great. Yeah. I, and I love that. You know, more than anything, you know, to be appreciative of the fact that we are human beings and we can learn all this stuff or, you know, practice this stuff. And one day we just might not be able to do it. And rather than giving ourselves a hard time, see it as an opportunity to actually learn from it and to progress. So I think you're absolutely right, Paul. This it's speaking to ourselves is just as important as the way we speak to others. Because we can be encouraging. We can use words like, you know, I'm human, I'm progressing towards something. Okay, it might not be happening right now. I might not be what I want to be right now, but I know that I'm moving towards that. And it's this gentleness with self as well that I think it's just as important the way we fill our mind with talk of appreciation and gratitude rather than, you know, shame and, you know, because it's very easy to be self-critical. It's very easy to be hard on ourselves. In fact, that is really our culture, isn't it, to be um, so hard on ourselves when we don't do a good job or when, we fail or things aren't perfect. And we are learning how to be in relationship with ourselves in a really healthy, empowered way, as much as we're learning to be in relationship with others in the same healthy, empowering way. Mm. This is a fascinating topic. As I've said before, anything with the word word in it's just it just lights me up. <laughs> I'm sure Lisa, I've come to know you of these uh, well. Uh, certainly, I think I feel we've laid a bit of a foundation to get to know, but this this appreciation and this awareness of who you are and, you know, the, that resonance of the power of words, just to use one uh, one thread. And it's been fascinating. So, you know, listen, listeners, we could go on and on and on, Lisa and I, I know we could around this whole topic, let alone just the words. But, um, you know, we're, you know, drawing things to a close. Uh, we're in that phase now. So as we do so, Lisa, there's a couple of mini shares I have. But I just want to, before you share your contact details, I just want to invite you in. Is there anything really vital? And, uh, you know, and I, mean, I don't mean the 30-second uh, elevator, which we'll say right till the end. But, you know, generally speaking, is there anything we haven't covered, do you think, that, um, that needs to be said? Mm. I really would like to strongly suggest that we 
or that you, that we all, consider our emotional world, our emotions as the bridge to unlocking our hearts and to living more of a heart-based life. Because when I am emotionally responsible, the more emotionally responsible I've become, the more I'm able to stay in my heart, the more I'm able to live from heart. And, and that's not just a word. Like I remember when I was 37, you know, like up until that time I'd heard, you know, live from your heart, be heart-centred. And I go, yeah, 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 I'm doing that. I'm doing that. But like, what does that really mean? And I didn't really know what it meant. And I don't know if I've said this in a past podcast, but I didn't know what that meant until I actually had the experience of being in my heart. It is a tangible feeling. It carries a vibration. It creates cohesion. It, it manifests as alchemy of things. Things change when you're in your, in your heart. And the way to stay in your heart is to be able to work with your emotions because as soon as you're feeling something, if you cannot work with your emotions and, and you're not able to understand them and, and grow from them and accept them and process them, then you automatically move out of your heart. You, it feels like you shut down your heart. And so emotions truly are, for me, the key to unlocking my authentic power, which is my heart. It is such an incredible, you know, it is so vast and so infinite and it's such a fluid thing, our emotional world. It's not something we can learn, but it is something that we start to apply every day and it really is our natural state. So our decision to start applying it and just doing what we can is very much like a tree growing. And, I, and I'll finish on this because a lot of, People say to me, oh, how do I do this? I have to put all this effort in. I go, no, you don't. All you have to do every day is pay attention to your feelings and do what you need to do to allow them to process, understand and see what you need to do for yourself and own that. And grace does the rest. Like we plant a seed, we water it, we give it fertilizer, we make sure it's in the sun. But grace or another mother nature grows the tree and ripens the fruit. We don't have to worry about growing our tree and ripening our fruit. All we have to do are the little things every day that make a big difference to the way we're experiencing our life, owning our emotions and making sure that we continually remind ourselves to come into connection with ourselves and to place the connection that we have with others as a priority. Mm, the little things, what a beautiful segue. What a beautiful segue for small changes. And the power of words, listeners. Just want to, I want to leave one simple example of how important, or oh, words are not really important, Paul. You know what I mean. You know, hence that word quality, just to use one example. So small changes. Take the word bitter. Change one letter. And look how that word can soon become better. Mm. That's the power of small changes. Small changes don't really matter, Paul. Yes, they do. Pebble in the shoe. Take the pebble out the shoe. So that's one thing. Um, I've done some nifty maths, Lisa. You've mentioned on more than one occasion about you being 37. I'm thinking that was only a year ago. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. 
I'm going to come back again, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly. I on, wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so the final thing, well, yeah. Okay, I'm going to save my, uh, my final thing because it's a bit of a humorous one, but I'll save that for a few moments. Lisa, share your contact details, if you will. Yes. So you can reach out to me and I would love, really love to hear from you because I really do value connection at www.imlisajane.com. That's I-A-M-L-I-S-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. You can get a free download there of my book, which is all about emotion education, 11 life lessons. And that's great reading to just start to think about how our emotions are working underneath everything else that's going on. Thank you. And I'll come in with my little quip now. And then obviously Lisa will go into the, uh, well, the last hotel elevator scenario. Well, for the time being anyway, let's never say never. Sounds so definite and rigid, doesn't it? Um, mm. But I just want to share this, listeners. So we've talked about what I call snog in the mirror. You know, when this, this episode's finished, I'm going to go and have a shave and I'm going to look in that mirror and I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to speak my truth and say, do you know what, Paul? You are one beautiful, beautiful, handsome young boy. Because that's what I am. And I'll share a story, um, if a very brief one, Lisa, which I feel kind of encapsulates all the things that we've spoke about, particularly in this, this episode around a story around identity and who I think I am or who I thought I was. And because of my vulnerability and insecurity, I wore a mask, which was a hard drinking, hard fighting Irishman. But I'm not an Irishman, I'm an Englishman. So I created this facade. And this was as recent as about seven years ago. I went to pick my daughter up for a job interview. And as I did so, um, her beautiful, beautiful um, canine friend just sat there staring at me with his beautiful piercing blue eyes. And I said to my daughter, I said, tell him, I said, he just keeps staring at me. He's got beautiful, beautiful piercing eyes. Oh, Dad, stop worrying. It's because he loves you. Right. Okay. I wait in the car. So I walk down the driveway. Wait. Anyway, she came down a few moments later after she'd locked the house up about it. She said, Dad, are you okay? And I, my eyes were, were filling up. And I said, Yeah, I'm okay, babe. Yeah, I'm okay. And she said something to me and talk about living a lie with a mask. She said, I have never seen my hard man dad cry. And I said, therein lieth the problem. And she said, Dad, I don't understand. You're not back on the drink. Um, because I stopped the drink in um, 2010 uh, after 40 years addiction from an early child. Uh, I, was, I was addicted to alcohol. And um, anyway, so she said, Dad, I don't understand. Are you back on the drink? And I said, no. She said, well, can you explain to me? I said, when, when Max was staring at me. I said, you know what happened? There was a eureka moment that took me back to my childhood, my inner child. 
And that's who your dad is. He's that seven-year-old. Because when I was seven and I lived with my grandmother and my mother, we had a beautiful black and white dog, just like Max. And he was my pride and joy. We, were very, we lived a very simple, very poor life, very poor financially. But boy, was I rich with the love for my mother and my grandmother and Rocky, my, my best pal, my dog. And I said, Max took me back to who I really was. And I've been so busy surviving over the years because of my hurt and everything that I hadn't dealt with that I wore that mask. So I kind of just share that to, to close on. Lisa, you know, you've, you spoke so much, quite rightly, in my humble opinion, about feelings and emotions and how we masquerade them. Because we can't let the outside world see that we're vulnerable or insecure. Well, you know, to quote Brenny Brown, our strength is our vulnerability. It's a beautiful story, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. It's lovely. So I am going to, you know, look in the mirror when I have the shave and, and you know, congratulate that beautiful, handsome young fella. And, um, yeah, leave it at that, Paul. You're waffling now. I mean, I'm getting in quite a feeling mode, as you can, as you can probably sense. OK, mm -hmm. so finally then, Lisa, the elevator. Boy, the, this elevator has been given some press, hasn't it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so um, any final thoughts then, Lisa, for the, uh, for the elevator? There's one thing that I'd like to leave you with, and this is the penultimate thing. When you are in relationship with anybody, if you remember how much you love that person, if you always make sure that love is your priority and you keep your eyes on the love, then you'll be ready to do whatever you need to do because often that's what's forgotten when we feel powerless or insecure or angry but for me this was a really massive thing is for me to always place the love as a priority when I with with my partner whatever happened I kept always trying to place the love as a priority and just to be determined to do that and have that intention it just seemed to really help with the connection. It really helped me live a much more fulfilling life. Beautiful. And on that emotional note, listeners, I think it's time to draw the final curtain. Lisa, thank you so much for your shares, for your time, for everything, really, this connection, to use your word, that we've had over the last five episodes. Now, I've personally found it very rewarding very deeply uh, insightful and certainly beneficial. So thank you immensely. Thank you, Paul. I've, I've really enjoyed it and I am going to miss you. I feel like, oh, my gosh, we'll have to do this again one day soon because it's been, it's been really lovely, very flowing conversation. Watch this space, listeners. Watch this space. I'm sure that that will unfold. And um, all that remains now is to sign off the way that we always do by saying, remember... The world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>